Welcome back to another episode of Important Miscellaneous Talks. I am your host, Glassfield Crossfield, and today we have the world-renowned people with us. And he's a great barber, guys. Please introduce yourself. Most definitely. My name is Joel Thompson. I'm 25 years old. Lovely Janelle has introduced me to you both for an opportunity to share the story. Um, started off in Ohio. I'm actually from Nelsonville, Ohio. It's a small town. Janelle had the pleasure of going to Ohio and seeing, not the small town I grew up in, but close enough. Close she enough. saw everything she needed to see. <laughs> I, I, got the, I got the t-shirt. <laughs> You're not in a rush to go back, Janelle? No, like maybe, never know. <laughs> <laughs> it was cold and dry and boring and I don't know what how else to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know you were that young. Wow. Facts. I told when I come on, I told you he was like a modern day prophet that he was like, you know, I told you he's a big deal. You thought I was playing, right? No, no. I didn't. Okay. <laughs> now you're younger. When I say I have a special guest for the pod, you're gonna be like, okay, I know. Yeah, I, yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. He's a year younger than us. I told y'all. I said you're gonna That's love it. So. So. Got you. So Joel, uh it's pronounced Joel, correct? Yes, sir. Got you. So what made you want to start cutting hair? That's a great question. You know, it was inside me to not want to work for anybody. If I could give you a straight answer. Like mm. I had my first job, a telemarketing job. And about six months in, I was making these phone calls every day. Really, you're not making calls. You're just wearing a headset. And calls, <laughs> calls just ring in. As soon as you hang up, another one rings in. And I found out that what we were selling or collecting donations for was for like a phony cause. Like one time they, they asked me how much goes to the cause. And my supervisor told me to read a script because we had to tell the truth. And the truth was that only 10% of the funds actually go to help the firefighters or whatever we were doing. And I was like, man, I'm ripping these like old ladies off. Like their retirement money is going to this. And they're like, I just didn't feel good about it. So that combined with my boss looking over my shoulder every day, I would purposefully uh, not hang up the call after you, you can like choose to, to hang up and it would give me like 30 seconds extra time so I wouldn't have to get an immediate call and he used to like notice that I was doing that and he, if I took a bathroom break for longer than a couple of minutes he would be like what are you doing in there and I was like well you know what I walked into his office and I was like I'm firing myself today I'm not coming back <laughs> so after that experience I pretty much knew I don't need to work for anybody <laughs> How long into that job did you decide to quit? That was like a little over five months, like around six month mark. Got you. And at that point, did you know what you wanted to do next? So you was like, I'm going to just quit and then I'm going to figure something out. I was already nice with the, with the Clippers at that point. So I was doing $5 haircuts and I was like, if I can just do five haircuts a day, I'll make the same amount that I was making at the job in mm. cash. So I was like, I already have my backup plan. <laughs> So were you working at a shop or you were independent at that point? No, I was in uh, our mutual friend, Dakota's. They had like a, a shared house. And there was like a, there was like a shack slash garage. I know. And there was, I had an Instagram page, the same one I have now, when I had like 500 followers, I was posting all my friends' haircuts. And the point guard of the Ohio University basketball team somehow he followed one of the um, basketball players 
that I went to school with and he saw that I cut his hair and he DM me and I said, yeah, come through. And the next day, I kid you not, there's like five, six foot, six big buff basketball players walking in the door. And I'm like 18 years old with a pair of Walmart clippers. I was not prepared for this opportunity, but that let me know, like, yep, this is my calling. This is what I need to be doing. So it gave me all the confidence to just go all in. What were some of the reasons that your business began to grow and expand? I could give you a long list. Uh, one of the best things that I did was move to California. So in Ohio, I don't know if I'll be charging $200 minimum, you know, or making the income I make per haircut. Mm -hmm. Like the key is affluent clients. I don't know how many of those are in Ohio. I, I had to get out of there. So I knew that was step one. Um, because I needed to learn the skill set. And a lot of people in Ohio, my hometown and my home state are closed-minded, in the box, like not thinking big, $10 haircuts. If the competitor across the street charges 10, they'll go to eight so they can try to steal his clients. Like it was terrible. So I was like, yeah, I, I believe in abundance. I believe in like you give, you put the most in, you get the most out. So mm. I looked and found people who were doing that. And thankfully they took me with open arms. It's like one of the best shops in California. And uh, I almost gave up, man. But I gave my mom a phone call one time and I said, like, I think I made a mistake coming here. Like, this is harder than I thought. And I was running out of money. And I had, I remember sitting in the barber shop, in the barber chair, and getting no walk-ins, no traffic, just having no motion. And I would just literally walk around the block and read affirmations out loud, like just getting my spirit right, like my self-belief right. And when I called my mom and told her that, she said, Joel, your faith and your affirmations need to be louder than your doubts. And at the time, I was letting my doubts creep in. That, that voice of doubt was just getting louder and louder. Every day I only cut one client. And I was like, man, maybe it's right. Maybe I should have went back to Ohio. Maybe I shouldn't even came out here. And uh, it didn't take long. I had a mentor tell me, if you were really going hard, you would be at 100 bucks a cut right now. I was at 60 and I wasn't even booked. And he's like, you would be at 100. And if you were really going hard in a year from now, you would be at 200 minimum. And I didn't even believe that was possible. I was like, who's going to pay $200 for a haircut? I don't know anybody that charges that much. And then lo and behold, a year later, guess what I was charging? That's interesting. You need to write a book. The answer is 200. Well, someone, some, the answer is 200. So he said you need to write a book. Someone told him he needs to, and he's about to. He's writing one right now. So that's, <laughs> that's what he got him on. So I have two questions. What were some of the things that you did outside of the affirmations that you did to fight through some some of those mental obstacles for you to continue to pursue your dream? And what were some of the things you did within that year that that you went from almost quitting to charging two hundred dollars? Hmm. Going to California alone did so much for me. I bought a one way ticket like. It wasn't a round trip. It wasn't like, a, okay, plan B. I packed my bags. I told my mom, I'm leaving. And she drove me to the airport and I did not look back. So it really, there was no plan B. Like I was going to be homeless. I was completely fine with being homeless if it didn't work out. Did you I couldn't anyone? stand. Go ahead. Did you know anyone in LA? No. Wow. Zero. So, Zero. Like, so you didn't have like a shop to go to or anything? I had an Instagram DM 
to one of the best shops in the country that I found on YouTube. And the owner responded with his phone number. I called him and said, I'm coming to come check out your shop. He did not realize I was moving there. I wasn't coming to give a little tour, <laughs> shake hands, take some pictures. No, this is my escape from hell on earth. Like I looked at where I was at, like, like the bottom of the bottom. Like I gotta get out of here. Like I would rather die than stay here. Like anything is better than this. Wow. It was like, it was kind of like, remember, are you guys too old for Eminem? Please say no. Oh, what? Am I four years old? I know I'm like ancient, but come on. Do you remember that movie where he was like, um, did you watch the movie? Eight, 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 eight Mile. Right? Eight eight mile. mile. <laughs> where he's like. He's like, you're not too old for Eight Mile? Are you too young? Yeah. Dude, I have crazy. no idea. Some of the people I don't think are that old people look at me like I'm, you know, a dinosaur, but is like you know there's there was like no other way out in this in the song it was like that was it and i feel like that was kind of nice. like that same energy right he's like this is it yeah. you know yeah it. there's no other option for him success is not an option you know or a failure is not an option success was his only his only like that was that's what very very applicable yeah that's Super what I felt, that energy like that same type of energy Okay, so you land in LA. Um, he doesn't know that you risked it all to be here. How then do you transition over to you being in full time at the shop? Well, he actually never had an apprentice before, and I didn't even have a barber license. And he wasn't really open to apprentices. So I had to not only convince him to let a stranger work in a shop, but a stranger that didn't even have a license yet and become his first apprentice. And I pulled that off. By at that time, bro, you could look in my eyes and see that like I was willing to die for what I was getting at. Like he sensed it in me. So the day that I flew there, I shook his hand, he showed me around, he asked me my story, and I told him something like this: like, yo, I'm 20 years old. I've built up a lot of momentum in my hometown. I charge what most barbers charge, and I've only been like a year in. Um Every step I've took on my journey has presented itself. And this is where it's taken me. I'm willing to do anything. Like I've read this many books. I study this much business. Um, I know all about your brand, et cetera. I don't care if I'm sweeping floors. Like I just want to help. And he said, okay, cool. That sounds good. So thanks for coming to check out the shop. Are you about to go back to Ohio? And I was like, back to Ohio. I looked at him and I'm like, no, I'm not going back. And he, he looked at me quiet and it got quiet. And he said, what do you mean? He's like, did you, you moved here? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so at that point, he didn't have a choice. He was like, all right, well, I guess you're going to start next week. There was like one chair left in the shop. And I didn't want nobody to take that spot. It was like time was ticking, you know? Interesting. So so at that point, where where were you living? I was homeless. I mean, I had there was a hostel. It was like $40 a, a day. And... uh that place was like terrifying because you got like a bunch of strangers, you're sleeping in bunk beds, all in the same room. You know, I'm 20 years old. All my belongings, my whole life is in a suitcase underneath my, my bed. It's like a cot. Somebody's sleeping above you, somebody's sleeping next to you. So I stayed there for like two weeks until I could find an apartment. And the apartment that I found, the owner of the shop helped me find it. It was $600 a month and it had rats. I had like crazy roommates. It, it was, I was there for like a year and 
Wow. It was a tough time, bro. It was, it was a challenging part of the journey. Wow. Bro, you really went through it. Yo. Wow, this is very inspiring. And a lot of people at your age would never have the audacity to, to leave. So yeah. I, I, I read a lot of uh, self-improvement books and watch a lot of people in the self-improvement space. And they oftentimes talk about taking that leap, putting yourself in a situation where success is literally the only option. You do not have a choice. So what made you take that leap? And why do you think, uh, what is the particular attribute that you had that others don't? that don't take that leap. I had the dog in me. <laughs> and not many people have it. Like in the Bible, Janelle, we talk about many are called, few are chosen. I think what that means to me is that everybody has a dream and a goal. Few people are willing to actually walk that path. Like mm. it's a lonely, it's a lonely road. It's a uncomfortable road. You are going to bump your head constantly. You're going to fall down constantly and ain't going to be nobody there to pick you up. So I've learned that. Uh, when I was at a young age, when I was two months old, my dad went back to Haiti and walked out of my life. I was raised by a single parent income. My mom did her best, but it wasn't like the the most fruitful childhood. You know, like most days I'm eating like cereal and just looking through the cabinets. Like, you know, you check the cabinets like four times to make sure there's nothing new popped in there. Every time you check it, your stomach's growling. It was a lot of that. So I just used to stay at my friend's house. As much as I could, our mutual friend Dakota, like on holidays, I would do my best to just stay away from my house because I was not only did I like hate the chaos that was happening in my home, but I was actually embarrassed that we were low income. Like I hated people knowing that I was getting free lunches at school. Once I had like a sleepover and my mom let us go to the store and I used a food card to get us like some snacks and all my friends saw that I didn't have cash. They weren't used to that. Like they ain't never seen that before. We're like an EBT food stamps whatever it's called and i just remember always feeling like i was unworthy because i was like the only mm -hmm. friend i knew the only person i knew that was living that way out of my friend group and so i from then on did my best to place my identity into my accomplishments if i could raise the bar and put myself around people who are doing better um, by accomplishing more okay now i can convince myself i'm worried worthy and i'll silence the doubt so honestly, a lot of that motivation came from hating my childhood, like literally hating it. Uh, my favorite quote from Malcolm X, that what you do not hate, you will eventually tolerate. Mm -hmm. So the people who are called, but few are chosen. I think the people who don't actually choose the path, they simply are able to just tolerate their where they're currently at. Like it's not killing them. Sure, they want to have a six pack. Sure, they want to like make more money, but they're not willing to like stop playing video games and, mm -hmm. you know, eating the wrong foods to do it, they'd be glad if it just fell in their lap. But me, it was like, I'm buying this one-way ticket, bro. Like, let's go. Let's see what this thing has to offer because I'm not staying. I was sleeping in a moldy basement, bro, a flooded basement at 20 years old, cutting hair in mom's garage. Like, I had nothing to lose. Wow. Uh, getting back to that Malcolm X quote, um, a lot of people are interested, but not many are invested. Hmm. Well, also, I think this is, I think this is why, like, we have like Joel and I have a connection, but it's like I we have so many similarities in our childhood, even though we're different and obviously different walks of life, different story, but very uh, so many similarities. It's it's actually kind of creepy when I hear it. It's like <laughs> I remember feeling that way. Like I remember hating and embarrassed of like 
being poor because my parents were crazy. Like I was adopted. I was in the foster system and all these things. Um, like recently my son had to go buy, uh, bring a gift wrap toy to his school because they have these like angel trees. If you go to the mall today, they have, um, these trees that have little kids on them. And then you take it home and you buy, you buy a present. It's like for people that are in the foster systems. Right. So we went and did that for my son's school. And I made sure he got like whatever he wanted for the kid. And I told him, I said, do you realize your mom used to be on that tree? Like your mommy was a kid on that tree. I had, I was in the foster system. I didn't have a mom or dad and people bought me toys. And now you're in Newport beach, nine, two, six, six, zero buying a kid a toy. I was just he's like, like he's what? like, what's not two six six zero, mom? I know, he <laughs> know he's like, so to me, and 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 having these same these same like knowing that we were poor, rolling up because you know this is why I've had a long road back to to not finding God, but to reuniting with God because how I grew up, if you had money, you were the devil. Like, because I grew up in a Christian cult where like being money having money was a bad thing. So we were missionaries. We grew up in Thailand, but we didn't have money. I remember times when we didn't have food. I'm like, how the fuck are we having, helping people in Thailand? We don't even have food to eat. And like people would come and bring us food. I'm like, what the fuck? This is, this is crazy. Right. And then when we moved back to the U S I remember thinking the same thing, Joel, like I lived in the, the basement. It was raining, raining and mold and just all that same shit. And driving to church and the, do you remember the serial killer vans do you guys know what those are like those Ooh. ford vans that what, they like the big, the big white van creepy van yeah and those the creepy bus? Vans. like oh my like god sliding doors you know yeah. yeah we drove one of those and there was like rust everywhere and i remember all my friends like all the kids because i was homeschooled my whole life and like i remember all the kids from church like they had like their parents had nice cars and and like not like nice nice here like 92660 but like nice you know and we drove up in this van and I was like so embarrassed to get out of the car I just remember thinking like what the fuck like I would just remember those same feelings Joel like it was it's so weird but I feel Mm. like when you're talking about that Malcolm X quote and many are called but few are chosen I think that's that's an amazing quote I also think that people want to blame God for their how like they came into this life right like Mm. people say like why me god why me Mm. and god is saying you know like in your response to him when you're saying why me why didn't you give me more give me more he's saying you give me more of you why don't you give me more of you i put you on this earth what do you what do you think like so when we ask god you know he give me more god why why am i poor he's like give me more of you i want to see that and there's people like Joel and I that do, had done that. Like I overcame the odds to, to be where I am today because I said, no, there's another level in me that I can give to God and I can serve at that highest level, which means that, and I feel like that's exactly what Joel did. He's like, no, there's another level in me that I can offer to God. And that's why when, he's here. When, uh, when you guys look at your story, um, and both of you can answer this, when you look back, do you guys have any regrets or if you had the opportunity to go and change things, would you would you guys rewrite your story in, in any way or fashion? Do you want to go first, Joel? 
I'll go. My favorite book is Reality Transurfing by Adam Zeeland. And I just read the other day. I've read it a couple of times and now I just skim through. The quote he says is, never criticize your past or something that you cannot change in your future. So like, if you have no control over anything, there's nothing I can do about it. I wouldn't really change anything. I'm super proud of my younger self. Like, uh, I just want to keep making him proud. You know, I look at my past only as learning, only as a way to quickly connect the dots. If there's any patterns I'm continuing that are not going to serve me currently, Janelle's laughing because she she loves that word. She, that's what she does. She, she notices and breaks people's patterns. So anyway, I use that for my past, and then all my focus and future and and focus and thoughts should be on the future and the present. That's it. Like, who am I becoming? I need to create a new identity that is going to get me to a new goal. Um, most of the time, my identity I notice has some type of limiting belief in there that I need to identify and get the fuck out of here. Like when I just moved to LA, it was like, man, did I even make the right choice? Like I'm running out of money. That was a scarcity belief as if, as if the world isn't abundant. And so I got that belief out of there. Okay. I'm a living being that's worthy. There's no amount of money I can't make because just as any other living creature can, I'm not no different. All right, cool. We'll fix that one. You know, so I don't want to change anything about my past. I'm actually really proud of my younger self um, because I was like a black sheep in a good way almost, but like I couldn't relate to anybody, but I still was able to find that vision. Of course, there's different things. I think there's other industries that are way more profitable. If I were to put all this focus and attention into one <laughs> other industry, uh, I mean, of course I did well in barbering, but like there's a ton of others that you're, you're I think of now. But that's all hindsight. Hindsight's 2020, so. I don't yeah, feel I like you're anything. a black sheep, dear. I feel like, I mean, I get what you're saying. You were, you were like, you had a different, like, black sheep, like, implies that you're doing something, like, bad, you know? But you were, like, you were just on a path to get the fuck out of where you were because you yeah. knew that there was, your soul was calling you for more, right? Like, as an introvert, yeah. as an introvert, you know what it's like to be around tons of friends but still feel alone. That's what I mean by black sheep. Like, I, I don't know what other, what other term there is. What, what's the better term for that? Like, um, when you just I don't feel like you relate to anybody, yeah, like no one understands. Like an intruder or like something like that. or Misunderstood in a way? Like outsider. Yeah, outsider. like I just don't belong here. Because for me, I would say mm -hmm. I was like more of black sheep. Miss Missionary pastor's daughter goes, you know, into Vegas and that, that, in, uh, that mm -hmm. realm, that's more of a black sheep. So like- but no, I mean, every you can have your own definition of what that feels like. I feel like you answered it so great, Joel. Like, you know, to to regret your past means that you're not happy where you are right now. And mm -hmm. I'm the happiest person in the world. Like, every day is a gift. You know, I I wake up and I'm like, I love my body. I love every like I I just love life. And I have a zest for life, which is why people are like, how do you have so much energy? I don't understand. Like, you know, you're, I'm ancient according to people, right? Like I'm, I'm supposed to be dying and going through menopause. I'm like, dude, I'm just getting fucking started. I don't know what, what y'all are talking about, but like, that's the kind of energy I feel. But it's because I think when you've had like past, like we have, and unfortunately for me, I had about a decade of my life that was, you know, not so pleasant. Um, I definitely learned a lot. And um I definitely had, um, I think I went through everything I went through because my soul need knew that I needed to have an empathy for people. 
Um, and how can you reach people? The best way you can influence people is by rapport, by being able to connect with them. And so I can honestly say now that there's like really not much in the world that my clients or people can bring to you that I say that I can't, that I'm not able to relate to their pain or suffering. Does that make sense? Like I've experienced so much pain, so much intense suffering stuff that like, you know, I could write a book about, but I choose not to just because I want to focus on everything I've done on the outside of that, um, that I, I can't help but like connect with people's pain and suffering. Right. Mm. And that's how I'm able to help them break their patterns, like Joel said, and help them to heal and help them to discover intimacy because intimacy is what we're put on this planet for. Right. If you like, if you think about it, some of the wealthiest, most affluent, most successful people in the world self-delete themselves. Mm. Think about it. If money and wealth and fame buys you happiness, why are there so many people that took themselves out? Right. Right? Did you ever think of that concept? Like, what what was it? I can tell you. You well, I I, I can. It's it's they lack that that intimacy first of all with themselves. Mental health. Yeah, but it and and the mental mm -hmm. health thing is it, it's all about there's something missing, which means they're not. Intimacy is to be connected and close, but that starts with you. A lot of people are in their body, but they don't want to be there, right? They're in their brain and their body and they do, they want to be anywhere, but there. Does that make sense? Like, they're like, how can I, which is why they, why do people smoke? Gives oxygen to the brain, makes them feel good, but you can just take a deep breath and get that same effect. Right? Mm -hmm. So people are constantly searching for something. I want to escape my brain. I want to drink. I want to do drugs. I want to do this because I can't be in union with me because I don't, it's, it's, there's an identity crisis or there's something that they don't like about themselves. So they want to escape that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it. That's good stuff right there. I love this conversation. So Joel, um, when when you were first uh, at the Los Angeles barbershop, how many followers on Instagram did you have? Uh, worked up to about three thousand when I first moved out here. Got you. So what 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 were some of the things that you did to increase your clientele? Instagram is a barber's or any person who's trying to get clients. Their main marketing tool is Instagram. The most outdated method. Can you guess what it is? Uh, most traditional way of getting clients on um, word of mouth word of mouth i mean that, that'll be forever but it's it's not nearly as effective as social media but there's one more that's older yeah traditional what? i guess not older. like calling people right keep going it's coming it's coming letters like the, letters? Like the mailers like mailers yeah it's close um oh ads in the paper a pigeon <laughs> business cards. Oh, business oh. cards. Nobody even carries them anymore. That's probably <laughs> business cards are so lame. Therefore, people who are living in nineteen, what year do they come out? <laughs> nineteen. Be careful with what years you're saying here. Uh, she's like, don't say the year I was born because <laughs> they came are out we... way before that. I'm sure. Uh, I don't know when they came out. Honestly, right. So the last thing I did was pass out a damn business card. I was creating 
and editing and posting, publishing content every single day, multiple times a day, relentlessly, consistently for years, like from 2017 to now. But really, I would say for about three years straight, I was posting multiple times a day, like anywhere from like one to four times a day of haircut transformation videos. So showing you somebody who looks crazy with the Afro grown out beard, hair up to their eyeballs, and then sculpting and chiseling the beard, showing you how to do a fade that complements their head shape, styling it, giving you a blend all the way from skin to dense hair within this much space, showing you how I transform that lineup, bring them back if they were receding, create density on the corners that are, that are light so that it appears to be darker than it is. Then they look in the mirror and they are overcome with gratitude for being blessed by the greatest high ticket barber to ever live. <laughs> by barber God, by Shiva. Which is me. And what they, what they tell me is, man, you just made me look 10 years younger. I haven't looked like this since I was in my 20s, bro. Like barbers usually never are able to get my lineup right. And by a, about the third appointment with me, I've literally transformed their hair. I've taught them how to style it. I've, if they don't have a do-rag, I convince them, or if they have a certain hair that needs a different type of product. And by the time that they've gone through a few appointments with me, they now have rejuvenated. They got their swagger back and they're looking in the mirror like, yo, I got to keep going to this barber because if I go to somebody else, they're going to mess up the progress that we have. We got this thing going on. So I developed this relationship with my clients where mm. they're just like, well, this guy has it figured out. He, he must know something because I never looked like this in the last 10 years. So I do that for a lot of my clients, problem solution based haircuts. And it's, I showcase that on social media. And that's, that's the sauce right there. Along with your consistency, it seems as though you also want the extra mile to create a level of connection with your clientele. I was just going to say that. It sounds like someone was using intimacy in their business to create hmm. that relationship with their clients. Oh, and Shiva, imagine that. Hmm. Interesting. Never thought of it that way. It seemed like it was more than just, all right, I'm going to cut your hair. You pay me. I'm out. And when you have that connectivity with your clients, it creates more of an experience. I'm not yeah. just going just for the cut anymore. I'm going because I genuinely like this person. Boom. Wow. That's some good stuff there, man. You sure you're 25? Um, <laughs> he's 25, but he's been on this on this earth a lifetime. So he's wise. <laughs> so, so, yeah, bro. So, so what's the, uh, what's the ceiling for you? There's no ceiling. What the hell? For me? Yeah. Because, you know, they say, you know, that saying, like, you know, like, what, what what's your, I guess what I, what I mean to say is, you, you know, go. there's a saying that your your talent will take you to places that you, you never thought, rooms you never thought you'd be in or places you never thought you would, uh, you would imagine. Yeah. You know? So where has your talent taken you to, to where you're amazed to be? in front of this person or having meetings with, you know, or just doing things that you, you've always dreamed of in a sense. Before I moved to LA, I used to write down my goals pretty often. And I would say I'm able to make a hundred dollars per haircut and make a thousand dollars in a day from haircuts. And that seemed like a dream. Like if I do that, I'm going to be the man I'm set. That's the top. I made it. And I quickly accomplished that and it just felt like nothing. It's like, all right, like it didn't change anything. I don't know. So like, I think each time you set a goal, it quickly normalizes. It doesn't take long for it to become normal. 
Um, then I set a goal. I want to make a thousand dollars from one haircut. And within like a few months, I got an opportunity to cut an artist for a music label for a music video on a production shoot. And I didn't know this would be the day that I would, that I would accomplish that goal. But at the end, I was close with the artist's manager, which is how I met the artist, obviously. He said, all right, bro, are you familiar with invoicing? All you got to do now is just send me over the invoice. I'm going to forward it to the label, and then they'll pay you out uh, like a net 30 or something like that. I forgot how long it took to pay me. But I was kind of trying to ask him, like, how much, about how much do you usually get an invoice for? Like, what's the amount usually? And he didn't really say, like, yeah, it's a 1000 for a day. It was kind of like, man, just tell him your day rate. And I was like, day rate? Like, I didn't really have, a like, a day rate. I didn't know barbers had day rates. I was just like, whatever I make, you know, for how many cuts I can do. And I had a hairstylist who told me that uh, – I told I was going to charge, like, 300 I was like, that's probably a good day rate, right? She's like, oh, no, you're, you realize where you're at? <laughs> you're in L.A. Like, this is Hollywood. They got big budgets for grooming on sets for these artists because you got to think how important is – uh, it was like a 22-year-old uh, artist. His name is Smoke Perk, for anybody who's curious. How important is his lineup for this music video? That's his image. It's just as a, they pay the stylist, they pay a makeup team. There's a million people they're paying, and they all get that same rate. Why shouldn't the barber? So, so he told me, like, you realize where you're at? You're in L.A. And I was like, okay, you're right. I was so nervous to send a $1,000 invoice, bro. Because it, it's identity crisis right there. I'm like... I'm like fighting with myself, like, bro, who you think you are? You about to send a thousand dollar invoice? Don't they know you just some kid from Ohio? They're gonna they're gonna realize that you a fraud. Like, and I'm over here, like, nah, bro. They told me I can do this. Like, you in LA? They pay this every day. Just just take a step of faith. And over here, I'm like, all right, cool, I'll do it. So I sent the sent the thousand dollar invoice, and the day that it hit, it hit like a PayPal. I think Sonic got it. I literally just looked at it like happy for a minute, and it's like, all right, check. Like it done goes, next. It goes, yeah. it goes. So I've had a ton of those since then, like a ton of um, big opportunities for artists, entrepreneurs, athletes, you know, you name it. Um, hmm. The quote you said is your gift will make room for you. That's definitely true. I do feel that that time for me to evolve again is coming. Like that same fire I had when I was 20, to like go create this new version of myself as a barber. I now feel, uh, I feel called, you know, like your calling is to become something that I've been afraid of becoming for a while, which is someone who helps other people speed up the time it takes on their journey through uh, sharing his own journey, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it's so much easier once I get to a good level in barbering to just stay where I'm at, like, okay, cool. I don't even have to do much work now. People are just coming to me. I'm known as the guy. I don't have to even market myself. I just wake up. By the end of the day, I've made $1,000 all from my kitchen, cutting hair. Like, it's easy to just stay right there. That's what mm -hmm. I've heard a quote that said, once you start making like six figures, multiple six figures, it's like the most dangerous place you could ever be because you'll never grow after that. Like, you think all your bills are paid, taxes are paid, everything is good. But that's like the most dangerous place to be. So... I've actually felt that, like the chapter of life where you're fighting complacency. And it was miserable because I thought I was all good. I started taking vacations, started just kind of enjoying life a little bit. And to someone who has a high calling and mission and vision and purpose for their life, 
to just be relaxing and not fulfilling it is the most painful feeling on earth. That was when I felt the most depressed that I felt in a long time. The times where I was like taking weeks at a time, just relaxing, not pushing, not creating, not getting out of my comfort zone, et cetera. So there's definitely a new mission and vision I'm on right now. And it's not just cutting hair. The the success that you have, because with success, it changes us. But, you know, they say money or success usually changes the people around you. Did you ever have did you ever have those issues? Thankfully, I moved out of Ohio, so <laughs> I don't have to look back, you know, from anybody who's crabs in the bucket. I escaped mm -hmm. all that. If you're not in my immediate circle, it's going to be hard to even get around me. That's and that's the thing I think it's so it's so crucial for entrepreneurs to really understand that like the people like I have personally and I say this not bragging just because I've been blessed which is why I give so much and want to inspire and help so many people because I've had so much given to me like Tony Robbins personally mentored me um what wow. yeah yeah so like he Tony heard about my story about uh, in 2018, the end of 2017, 2018. And he reached, well, I was in a really dark place. I had my son who was like maybe a year and a half, maybe two, 2018. I can do math. Actually. He was like two, <laughs> 2017. So it was like two ish, two, two and a half. I don't know. Those first three and a half years of motherhood. It's all a fucking uh. cause you're just so tired nursing him around the clock. I nursed him around the clock for three and a half years, meaning he didn't take a bottle. He didn't take a pacifier. He would just roll over drink and go to sleep so I did that for three and a half years I don't remember that part of my life honestly that's tough <laughs> yeah yeah I mean but it's worth it for them uh, my son Joel's you haven't really met him yet but you've heard him and you'll meet him probably you know this year but he's crazy like crazy tuned in you know so anyways I was like postpartum I was in school full-time full and postpartum is real it typically affects demographics of women like myself who you know, had a lot of trauma, had a lot of bullshit, blah, 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 no family, all that stuff, right? What so, is postpartum? I'm sorry. Postpartum is like, I'm sorry, yeah, you guys, I don't know if you have women people that watch this, but I'm sure you have your guys who have baby mamas, so postpartum is when you have a child, right? And yeah. then your hormones go crazy, right? Because just imagine all the hormones that, that happen when you give birth, right? It's like endorphins, It's you're just like, it's like being high, but not being high. And I did it natural, meaning I didn't have any kind of epidural or any kind of Pitocin, which does. So I was just feeling all that shit. Oh, that's and tough. An interesting time in my life. So, right. So I'm a G, like I felt it. Okay. Got the t-shirt. Wow. Did that shit. Right. But so what happens is it's just such an influx of hormones and then it sets in, you produce milk, you're feeding your kid, you're doing mom stuff. And mind you, I'm doing all this alone. Plus, I was in the demographic of having like being alone, no, no guy, no parents, no family. And I'm a full-time student. Imagine being a full-time student, nursing a baby around the clock. So for me, it was just like, I was like, fuck, man, this is like intense AF. And I was just like, had this feeling that crossed into my mind. And I, I don't talk about it much, but I felt for the smallest second, like, I don't want to be here. But mm. it was like a thought, like. A real thought like I think I'm better off not being on this planet and I looked down I saw my son I was like what the fuck you know and so for me I don't choose to take any kind of medication but when I started having those thoughts of like 
like suicide harmful type thoughts you might have to x this out sorry y'all like i was like give me a doctor get me on some antidepressants you know i was not waiting for the herbs to kick in i was just like i have a son and i need to be around for that so for three months i went on a very mild antidepressant did the job took myself off cold turkey please don't do that go see your doctor i'm crazy like that and i was fine right but during that time my i was really low and one night I was just like, I don't want to be here. And I was scrolling on my phone and I saw a post and I'll never forget the post in my life as long as I live. It was Tony and it said, stop worrying about what could go wrong and, and start focusing on what could go right. I still have it on my phone. And I just, I just text. It was like a vomiting of mess onto, onto the post. 2000 other people had liked, I was like, yeah, I just feel like I'm doing everything I can. And I feel like, you know, I don't have this skill set to make it. I'm just lost right now and I just shared a little bit of my past and about three I couldn't sleep that night like 3 a.m I saw that Tony had inboxed me on Instagram and he was like hey your story is commendable um, this is when he started working with Operation Underground and he's like I want to help you help more women because at that time I had started a nonprofit at my school I was trying to help other women and I was still like you know so he goes I want to help you help other women but first I want to help you so he's like, I'm going to invite you to unleash the power within. So I got to meet him. And after that started like a two-year relationship of us talking and him sharing my progress with what I was doing in my life and just being extremely invested in what I was doing. Brands, close the door, please. Sorry, guys. Mm -hmm. I got that. <laughs> but, um, and so from there, like I, my whole, I said all that to say, like, I've been blessed with amazing mentors, right? It's not everyone that can say, oh yeah, Tony Robbins was like chatting with me and supporting me and my nonprofit, you know? And from Brunch. there, <laughs> from there, I launched my nonprofit, like for real, for real at his business mastery in Vegas in 20, um, 2019, right before COVID. And we raised $50,000 in three days. And I had two billionaires that saw me heard felt my energy just my energy right just no, nothing else heard my words and were like we're with this and so they came around me we we it's it's like a race at this event um you try to like make the most money for your charity and then you tony you know, talks about you blah 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 so we didn't win but we got like runner up which is a huge thing right and so after that i became connected with these billionaires and they said, no matter where you are in life, we will always serve you. We will always give you free coaching. You call us anytime. And to this day, both of them have Jeps. One of them lives in the Kardashians neighborhood. The other one lives in Texas. And I call them, like, I save it for when it's good. These are billionaires, right? Their hourly is pretty high. But when I need something, I just call them. I'm having a crisis. What do I do? And no matter where they are in the world, they will talk to me. So having that level of, like, mentorship, is important to go where you want to go to go where like joel's going to where go where i'm going and not having people that in your circle like there's not like joel knows you know can you get in my circle like most people can they get in my circle no i don't fuck with nobody like i don't even answer dms i send them to book on my website book on my website you i just have a quick question for you shakti here's i dakota showed me how to do the keyboard where you just type it in and then it like, you know, so all I do is book and it's like 15 minutes, 30, 60, boom. It's like keeping your energy proximity is power, right? Who that's the most powerful thing on the planet influence. If you're hanging around with your homies that do 
just what you do or worse than you, you're going to go down. You're, it's just by law, law of entropy, atrophy. But if you're hanging out with people, like, can you imagine billionaires are in my phone that I can call? Right. What does that do for me and my direct influence, right? Like I'll be talking to Dakota and I'll just like name, I was like, oh yeah, do you know that fighter? And he's like, yes, I know that fighter. And I'm like, oh, maybe we can get him on the podcast. He's like, you know them? I'm like, yeah. And I have hundreds of people like that. But it's because I position myself to be around the best. Like Joel, who gave up partying and going out with friends. I don't do that. I don't talk to nobody unless you're one, doing better than me or two, adding tremendous fucking value to my life. But most people won't sacrifice that. They want to be out in the clubs, right? Mm. They want to be hanging with the homies. Mm. So I have a fire story, you know. Many are called, few are chosen. You was chosen. So chosen I, <laughs> I have a question for you then. Since you don't answer many DMs, what inspire you to respond to me? Well, I saw podcasts. But what I mean is like, I I really do not answer DMs, but I am on a mission to become omni-fucking-present. Like, I want everyone in the world to know me and know my name, but more empowerly, not that, but like feel my work, right? Right. So for that to happen, I need to be on so many platforms until one of these days, like people keep sharing my work, which they do. The other day, the strangest thing happened. I went on Snap, because I use Snap, by the way, not to send dirty pictures. I use Snap to just send people to my paid websites. I hop on every day. I'm like, hi, it's your girl, Jay. I never open any DMs. I never respond to anyone's. But if you want to get my question, your questions answered, hit this link. I get two, 300 requests a day. And I just send them all to my website. I might get, you know, 5% of those. But I'm using Always Be Marketing, ABC. I'm marketing every, every day, right? So for that being said, like, I feel like, you know, what was the initial question you said? I'm sorry. Oh, why did you respond to Why my... did I respond? So when I saw, like, um, that's what I was saying about Snap. My bad. I have my uh, mild TBI, so sometimes my, my short term is bad from concussions and stuff. But um, I went on Snap to post, and I saw, like, my TikTok on there. Like, my TikTok video, like, an account was sharing it. Mm. Like, some account I didn't know. And I was like, oh. It was like Janelle Gordon. I was like, oh, that was that was just a trip to see, like, you know. And so that's my goal to to be just so out there. So that's why I answered your DMs. If it's if it's a podcast or someone wanting to help further my mission, go ahead. That's the key. Me. Anybody who wants to get a mentor, tell them you have a podcast. <laughs> Got a podcast. That is a fact. That definitely is a fact. I will agree with that. Yeah. So. Joel, what are some of the opportunities that have come your way through you being a barber? Meeting amazing people, getting paid to network. Those are probably my favorite ones. Mm. That's a bar right there. Getting paid to network. I like that. I love right. I love speaking to people and and asking questions and talking and networking, man. I think I, I love I love just connecting people, man. That's dope. That's dope. Uh, sorry. Give me a second here. You're good. Oh, you're fine. If you weren't a barber, if you weren't a barber, what would you be doing? Homeless on the beach, doing doing calisthenics, Calisthenics. paying paying no bills. I would just be really good at handstands and pull ups. Muscle ups. I would have like a bucket in front of the handstand bar, 
doing like muscle ups and pull ups and one handed handstands, and people would just drop money in the bucket. And that's how I would eat a burrito every day, smoke a joint, and watch the ocean. Chipotle at dinner, banana and peanut butter for breakfast, right? Right, exactly. So it was truly, it was truly, I have to become successful at being a barber or I would be homeless. Yeah, I was, I was actually. Those are the only two options. I made the agreement with myself. Like, it wouldn't be that bad <laughs> to live on the beach. Like, I'm only 20 years old. Who's going to, like, know? Who's going to judge me? Like, <laughs> it's better than Ohio. <laughs> it's the best place to be homeless in Southern California. Come on. Oh, God. oh man. I'm a New York <laughs> person. So, any uh, California uh, comments, you know, I feel Come like. On. The weather alone, darling. Weather thing, man. Yo, in New York, no way. Guys, we have trains. We actually have trains. So with heating, so it's exactly. I'm very familiar. I did my first training in Manhattan, so I love that city. I know what you guys have there. It's, uh, I'm. I don't know. You know, when you're from New York, you just you want everybody to just say New York is the best city. No, I know. Yeah, <laughs> New York is a vibe. It's a vibe. It's it's a it's crazy. It's a it's a crazy vibe. It's I can do small doses. Really? Wow, that's interesting. That's wow, that's very interesting. There's a lot of energy there. Like New York is like me on steroids all the time. Like that's an intense. That's a lot of energy. You You don't think LA is equally intense? In a different way. New Yorkers are like, okay, I actually have a lot more respect for people in New York. Let me take this back. Because New Yorkers will be like, get the fuck out of the way. Like, I walked around across, you will get run over if you don't get across, you know, in New York. People don't care. And they'll just have you move, bitch. Like, they don't care. Now, in LA, people will pretend to be like you, but they will, like, straight up, like, stab you in the back. Like, LA is That's all about here. Yeah. yeah, LA is not authentic from it's not. from what I and that's what I really don't like about LA like why pretend or why you know it's weird to me because people want to like it's all about that image of like I have the most money but that's why people will hop out of their Lamborghinis and they're living in an ap- apartment with four people you mm. know they're like I, I gotta show that I'm like you know like that I'm the boss but that's that's mm. a normal in LA mm. Before I even stepped foot in LA, I heard that people from LA were fake. <laughs> I think there's that kind of there's that that that's very well like known. It's kind of known. That's a shame. But I mean, you can't judge all of LA like that. I, know. I say a vast majority of it is. I know Joel's prejudiced because he lives there. I, I'm in the OC. I'm in the land of the MILF, so it's a little bit of a different area out here. I gotta visit there, man. You said it's the no. land of what now? The land the of the MILFs. Okay, and now that was really some incentive to go. <laughs> but Adam from Sauce, you know, from Valuetainment, he named me Mama Mel, so that's kind of my new name now. <laughs> uh, I got to interview some of the Valuetainment people too, man. Yeah. Um, so, so Joel, what's something that you haven't accomplished that you would like to accomplish in the future? My mission statement, 230 pounds jacked, time freedom, location freedom, financial freedom, revered around the world from a positive impact on people's lives so it's like three categories of my higher self each of those specifically you know fitness goal 
a finance goal slash like career life setup goal. And then my calling, you know, accomplishing all three. Really in the, in the opposite order, ideally, you know, as, as far as importance. How much do you weigh? Yes. yes. I'm 6'5", by the way. Uh, 220? Oh, let's go. I like that answer. I look that big. <laughs> I'm too I'm like in between 200 and 210. I don't want to say the number. Oh, but as get to the end of the year, I'm going to be 210. What are you, like 6'7", right? Glass? Six five. Yeah, I'm about that. I'm about that, yeah. Oh, oh six, six, okay, gosh. Really? Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm about, I'm about what you weigh, but I, I have less muscle. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have less muscle. I did some pushups. I did like sixty pushups today. So hey, maybe it was Dude, your, your Kobe, Kobe is right behind you. He's, he's watching. Yeah, I gotta tell you this story about Joel. So like, <laughs> and pushups. <laughs> so like. This is hilarious. So the first time Joel came to the OC, he'd never been in the OC. He's lived in LA, what, three years? Four years? Yep. Yeah, three, yep. four years. He'd never been in the OC. And I was like, oh, you got to come down. I was like, it's going to be an amazing day. I'll cook for you. We'll go. I have an Olympic sized pool. It's like Vegas. This is a Vegas pool at my house. Like literally cabanas with heat. Like during wow. COVID, people would see all our pictures on Instagram and be like, are you guys in Vegas? We're like, no, we're just at our pool. Like it's, it's a dope wow. pool. Yeah. So I was like, come on down. So he comes down and this is like, at this point, well, we'd already been to Ohio or we had not gone to Ohio yet. No, we hadn't gone to Ohio yet. So this is maybe the second time I think I'd ever met him third time. Right. So he like drives to Newport. Right. And, um, I was like, you know, like, I wonder how this is going to go. So my third time of meeting, whatever, I thought, I thought I was going to be chill, but I wasn't really sure, you know? So like he comes and I was like, how's the drive? He's like, Oh, great. I was like, well, I've got some food ready here. Do you want to eat? Because I knew his big thing is gains, right? Like they're gains, gains, gains. So I was like, no, not yet, but I'll be ready like soon. I was like, okay. I was like, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to go to the, do you want to go to the pool now? Do you want to like do some meditation? Because anyone who comes to my house, you're meditating, you're doing yab yab. Like it's a non-negotiable, right? So like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and Joel will attest, yes, I did <laughs> this happens so then he's like no i'm just like doing a thousand push-ups i'm like what he's like yeah it's just like i have to do like a thousand push-ups today i'm like i was just like blown away and so he just like drops on my floor and he's like all right can you keep count for me and i'm like sure what are you at he's like 300 or like two what were you at like i started around three yeah 300 i was around three i have a decent I got there. and so I, I was just like this is one of the things that really like i really started to like have a tremendous level of respect for him and to say that for me as a man or as a woman to have respect for a man um that doesn't come very easy like i respect like tony my mentors you know billionaire mentors that's about it my 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 teachers my my tantra teachers i don't respect men that's just been something that i've had to work on because of my past i started developing a tremendous level of respect not only did he like like so throughout the day he'd be like okay We'd be like out of the pool. He's like, I need to drop and do like 200 more or something. Like he was doing them, I think maybe a hundred increments, right? Or like, what were you doing? Something like that. I would just go till I couldn't. I mean, it started off, I could do like 40, then like 30, then like 20 at a time, then like 10 at a time. 
It got rough at the end. And he just kept like finishing him. And then like, and so I would just keep track of it on my phone and we would eat. He spent the whole day with me and not, no matter what we did, we did meditated for an hour. We did yab yam for 30 minutes. We went to the pool. He just stopped dropping, doing pushups. And I was just like, that level of like discipline was like incredibly sexy to me. I was like, just for a man to say like, I'm going to do thousand pushups today. And they're on like, you know, like a chill hangout date with me. And they're just like doing them in between what we're doing. I thought, what kind of men just do that? Like I've never, I've been around, I've been around professional in NBA players, NFL players, professional fighters, UFC, like anyone that you can even think I've probably met them or known them or have had lunch or dinner or something with them. Right. And I've never met a man like with that kind of discipline. And it was just incredibly Mm -hmm. intoxicatingly sexy. And I was just inspired by him. I was like, wow, this is like a real man. This is what it means to be Shiva, to be like godlike consciousness. And he finished a thousand pushups. Like, I think he went home and he had like another hundred. What did you have? Like a hundred or a hundred left. And I text him. I said, don't forget, you know, finish your pushups. And then he, he texted me, I finished them. And it was just, it was just, that was just like something I'll, I'll never forget. (laughs) <laughs> wow that that's awfully impressive a thousand i was wondering a thousand in a row i'm like you're a freaking animal a thousand yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It, took a whole, it took the whole day Checks. yeah i mean it was like the day but still that's a lot of push-ups i mean yes. how, i don't know what, what how many have you done like on a good day you know just think about that <laughs> <Does it rip? laughs> did you have gloves no, it was it was the most sore I've ever been from my chest. Like the next like four days. Wow! Did it, like out on the concrete, like on because out on like in my pool, it's like you know cobblestone. They make my my place looks like you're in Italy, you know. So he's just like doing them out there. <laughs> huh? Where the hell do you live? <laughs> I I live in paradise. It's a uh, it's a uh, um. Donald Brennan, he's the richest uh, real estate entrepreneur in the world. He did, he built Irvine Company, and I live in Irvine Company. Is I live in one of his properties. So yeah, Google him. The the I've already told my son about him. The the wealthiest real estate entrepreneur I I know in the U.S. but possibly the world. He owns all the real estate in Orange County and residential, commercial, everything. He owns it all. Does he have Instagram? I know he's like I mean he might I don't know he's so private like uh, uh, Kobe where Kobe lives like Kobe lives about 15 mi- uh, 15 minutes eh, 10 to 10 to 12 minutes up the street and wow. he lives in Irvine Company that's his home was Irvine Company wow that's yeah crazy. wow um I got a few more questions left for you Joel uh I appreciate your time um so what what are some of the ways that you've given back thus far Things that I've given back. Yeah. The ways that you've given back. Yeah. Just last week, I did a free class at a barber college called Trade Tech. So it's like a college that has a trade school. And barbering is one of the trades that they can learn. It takes two years to get their license. I set a bet. Uh, you could call it a bet. I sent my friend, our mutual friend, Dakota, $500. And I said, if I don't teach a class, hit a certain fitness goal, drop an ebook, an academy, and create six podcast episodes, six different guests. Don't send me this money back. So I got a phone call from a barber school and barber shop owner the following week. He said, Mr. Thompson, I've been asking my clients, my, my students, 
who we should have as a guest, the educator speaker at our school. And your name came up about four or five times. Uh, let me know if you want to work together, get together, et cetera. So this is that voicemail and I'm just like, wow, this is what happens when you set a strong intention. Like literally a week later, I got the, I didn't even know where I was going to teach a class at, but I just told my friend, don't send me this money back till I teach the class because I need to work on my oration skills. And the best way to do that is just put myself in the fire. That's what I love to do. That's like something you might notice about me that I just like to go all in. That's my method of learning. Exactly. Commit first, figure the rest out later. The fastest way for me to learn is just to learn by doing. And I know that with any skill, especially with speaking, I'm not going to learn speaking if I'm just looking in the mirror, practicing a script, which is what I was doing for like most of the summer. <laughs> it was just pathetic. And I realized like, okay, I got to get in the fire. So that's how God works. That's how the universe works. You set an intention. All these laws were created for us to use if we are aware of them. The law of attraction, all the, like the 48 laws of power, you name it, all these laws most people just aren't aware of them, and so they're working against us. But I got to constantly remind myself to set a strong intention. My coach used to say this, set your intention powerfully. And that's an example of that. So last week I taught the class. It's the most fun thing I could do. Like, it's way more fun than giving a haircut. I don't care how much money I get paid from a haircut. There's nothing better than teaching a class and having the kids in the class at the end say, like, yo, bro, I'm inspired. Like, you just changed what I thought was possible. And I'm like, yeah, I know that's my purpose. That's my calling. That wasn't me doing that. That was just like, I'm just like delivering it, you know? Like, so my favorite thing is giving back. And then at the class, I gave away like four pairs of clippers, clipper trimmer, shaver, and a blow dryer. Because I'm sponsored with a company who who loves the industry and loves to give back. So I do giveaways. Um, but I have dreams of giving back that I I uh, I know in the future I will do something similar to Janelle. You know, maybe I have to reach out to her see how she yeah we gotta get you we'll get you hooked up with your five actualize it my father's from haiti even though he you know isn't in my life i always dreamed that i'd go to haiti and mm. do something big like a barber college like a i don't even know what like go to school or something like a school i see that whatever. for sure that's that's okay. gonna happen that's easy well that's easy uh i think that um i think what's cool is like how just kind of like how everything comes full circle, you know, with like you and like how I met Dakota and how I met you and how like, I don't know, I think one of the coolest things for me was like, I didn't realize like, I know that's kind of weird, but when they started asking me to come on Sauce on Vitainment, like I didn't really know what the show was. I just knew it was like a lot of my colleagues in the red pill world were like, on it and so I was like oh they're on it I should be on it right like this is a good look for me right so I just said yes I like I'm like Joel I just say yes and figure it out later right um I've done that so many times and I've, I've had that feeling too with those invoices where I'm like can I invoice someone for fifteen thousand dollars and I get so nervous like can I really do all this? right that was a flex you don't have to flex on that <laughs> No, but like I run was one thousand. You fifteen x. <laughs> I, I got I got like fifteen years on you, so I should be doing uh, that, right. So uh, nonetheless, like those feelings of like, can I do that? Or even when I first started from like doing 300, 300 hour, I was charging three hundred an hour for yoga private, and then I went up to a thousand, and now it's like you know ninety minutes with me, fifteen hundred dollars, you know, just to talk with me. You know what I mean? And then so like, but that feeling is like, am I good enough for this? 
you know, mm. it still comes up. I'm not going to lie. I still, I feel like I'm still not fully strong in this yet. Even when I get those big checks, like that feeling you talked about, Joel, where you get that high and then it goes away. Like that's a real thing. And that's why if you're not constantly growing, you're dying. If you're not pushing yourself to that next level, like when can I invoice for, I want, I want my, I don't want to get out of bed for less than 30,000. Like I want to show up and I want to be on a stage. It's like 30,000 to have her speak. And I know that's possible, but it's still like a doubt, you know? So it's like, how, how do you overcome that doubt? Your, your faith has to be stronger than that. Mm. Your, the voice of your incantations has to ring louder than the incantation, like the fear that's mm. like, you're going to be broke. You're, you and your son are going to be homeless, all that stuff. Right. Cause that stuff's so real. I think Tony talks about this. He says, people say, well, do you ever have a bad day? And he's like, yeah, I have a bad day. He's like, I have bad days all the time. You know, he's just, just like, he's like, it's just the voice that I'm willing to listen to and the meaning that I create on that. Like, am I going to listen to the voices that are telling me like all these people, hey, they think my language is too strong or when he loses, you know, hundred million dollars, those are bad days, right? Like, and so it's like, he's no different than us. He's just learned how to create meaning and a more profitable formula in his mind. Because the meaning that we attach to anything in life is how we react and what, you know, negates our destiny, right? But talking about like how we all, yeah, Joel, you're like, yeah, yeah. How we all met, I think it's so like, it's so serendipitous of that. Like, I didn't know what Valuetainment was. I just thought it was a cool platform to be on. I went on it. And it's funny because Joel had sent me this YouTube like when we had first met, maybe we were like a month, two months in tops. He's like, yeah, you need to be on this show. This is a good look for you. And it was like the Valuetainment show. And it was with some of the girls that I had already been on panels with, uh, just Pearly Things and Allie, big names. Yeah, big names in the red pill. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, cool. And I never thought much about it again. I was just like, oh, that's a cool show. And then fast forward to like a month later, they're asking me to be on the show, right? I go on the show, they fall in love with me. What's not to love, right? They asked me to come back. And then they, um, and then I asked uh, Dakota to go with me because we were getting ready to do our retreat. That's uh, his best friend from Ohio. And then I told Joel, I'm like, you got to come. And he's like, okay. He was like a little bit like hesitant. Like, I don't know, Shakti, you know, he was in his little like, you know, monk mode, just staying in his apartment, doing his incantations, blah, blah, blah boring shiva life you know <laughs> and i was like no you gotta come and so he talked to dakota and dakota's like should i come you know dakota, i guess you asked dakota if it was like a good look to come and dakota's like yeah you should go and then so they came to the um to the show with me right we got to go to the value team at studios and then like while i was in taping they got to meet like pat who was like I didn't realize they had been following his work since they were like 17. They've been watching his stuff, reading his books. And I just think like, how crazy is all of that, right? Like how that all came like full circle. And now I'm working with the network to get like my own show on value. And just, I don't know. I think that stuff is like, it's like universe cause, they call it synchro destiny where it's like, mm. how did that all happen, right? Stay in alignment. That's it. That's good right there. That's really good. Yeah. Joel, I have one final question for you. How does someone, how does someone become the next you? 
Ooh. You need two things first to become a sayer. What do I mean by a sayer? Someone who dreams dreams and then tells someone their dream. Someone who they respect. For me, I told Dakota, bro, I'm moving to I'm moving to California. After that, you need to become a doer. You need to be a sayer and then a doer. So now I'm doing a thousand push-ups today. All right, it's time now. I'm not going to back down after I say something. And you need to realize three things. I can do anything that I want. Do you believe that you could do anything? Because that's the first step. If I wanted to be a tattoo artist when I first started, I would have been a tattoo artist and I would have been one of the best in that industry. Jay-Z said, put me anywhere on God's green earth. I'll triple my worth. And I felt that when I was 20. I moved to Cali and I was like, watch, I'm about to be that man. I'm about to be that guy. And the mentor I had at the time said, don't be surprised when you become the best one in that shop. It didn't take me long to actually start to believe that was true. And then it did become true. So you need to be a sayer. You need to be a doer. You need to believe that you can do anything. That right there is already going to filter out 90% of people. Most people just do not believe in themselves. Just being real. Yeah. Or they'll be sayers, not doers. Yeah, facts, facts. Next is you need to get pissed off. Malcolm X, you need to hate your current reality. Mm. You need to not tolerate it. You need to look around and be like, damn, you know what? I have, I don't have the clothes I don't, I don't, I want. I don't drive the car I want. I don't have the type of spouse that I want. I don't even live in the type of building that I want to live in. I'm not taking the type of trips that I want. And there's somebody out there that's my age that is with the spouse that I want, that's driving the car that I want, that's taking the trips that I want, that's having the impact that I want, that's having the experiences, creating the memories that I want. And my life is going to come to an end one day, and I'm going to regret not going all in, not believing in myself. And it's going to be too late. All the people you could have helped, they you, you just robbed them of the inspiration you were supposed to give them. That's the second thing, is you need to hate not being the higher version of yourself. That should eat you alive at night. You should jump out of bed like, all right, bet. I got to improve today. I read this book called Slight Edge when I was 20. And it just, the whole concept of the book was just get better at one thing per day. Like just slightly improve. And Joel or Jeff, Jeff Olstein. Jeff, Jeff Olson. Olson. Yeah, I know. Jeff I know. Ol Jeff Olson. Yeah, I know Jeff, actually. That's another story. He's in your network, right? <laughs> he watches my stories daily on Facebook. Flex. Does he have Instagram? Jeff Wilson does have Instagram. I'll DM him too. All right. I have a question. Yeah, I, got I got one more. One more thing. One that more. was only two. All right. So you need to become a sayer, become a doer. Uh, I can do anything. I'm pissed off. Third is no one is coming to save you. Church. Bro, mm. it is up to you, bro. There, No one cares about you enough as they're going to need to to actually change your situation, bro. No one is coming. No, 10 years could go by. People are going to just scroll on your gram be like, oh, yeah, he didn't do nothing with his life. Too bad. Oh, bro, you're not going to the gym every day. Bro, you didn't invest in yourself. Go to that conference, bro. Jay Fader told you he could show you how to get to $200 a cut, and you're still at 20. That's uh, too bad. You should have helped yourself, bro. No one's coming. I had to realize that at a young age. My dad left me. He's not coming back. I'm the man of the house. All my brothers are on drugs. They go out and party. They're in juvenile hall. 
they're doing the worst. I'm looking at my life like there's no mentors, bro. And there ain't going to be none. I'm going to have to be the man. I'm going to have to be the man that my dad never was, that my brothers didn't know how to be because we didn't have no guidance. There is no one coming. The sooner that we realize that, no one is coming to save you, bro. Yeah, it's going to be lonely. It's going to be tough, bro. But if you believe in yourself, if you can't stand this current situation and you realize no one's coming to save you, what choice do you have? Now you got to go all in. No one is coming to save you, especially as a man. Yeah, uh, facts. You'll be so invisible. Sorry. No one cares about men unless you're excellent. Women are beautiful. They can be average and it's okay. You still mm -hmm. love them. Men aren't lovable unless you're going to be great at something. You have to push Sex. for excellence, bro. Or you're going to be invisible your whole life. Mm. Being invisible at 6'7 is not a good look, man. <laughs> Damn. You can't be invisible. You guys do have that. You guys have the, the little height. You know the no. height edge, the height edge that like people well, see y'all because you're tall. But it even makes you have to be even better because you're seen now. You're tall. It's like you're tall as fuck. And what? What are you doing? Do you play ball, man? No. Well, what do you do? Uh, right. You know what I mean? Right. You got to be spectacular. You got no choice but to be spectacular when you're tall now. Because you're tall, no, you're getting hell of attention one way or another. Trust me. Right. I don't fuck with tall guys, so I know that. I know that's to be true. They get more attention than me. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Prince, you had a question? Top five dead or alive uh, people you would like to cut. That's fire. Dang. I'm looking at Dolph right now. I told you they ask good questions. Uh... <sighs> That's, that's a good one, Dolph. That's a good one. That's tough. Top five, dead or alive. Mm -hmm. uh, Dakota. I want to cut Dakota's hair. <laughs> Whenever Dakota's ready to cut his hair off, <laughs> it better be me. <laughs> okay. It better be me. That's our, that's our mutual friend. Uh, that's really my Spartan soldier brother of mine. Yeah, I'm going to have yeah. him on. I, I, I hooked him up with you guys. Yeah. Cool. Just get ready when he comes on because that's, that's a legendary man. Um, Amen. Ask him to make some bold predictions because they're all going to come true, whatever he says he's going to do. Okay. Uh, Dakota. I'm going to cut Dakota's hair off whenever he's ready. <laughs> uh, Nipsey Hustle is number two. Dang, this is tough. I've never been asked this. Uh, let me see. Nipsey Hustle. Malcolm X. What about that? You don't want to line him up? Woo! Mm. Definitely. Yeah, I'll put Malcolm on the list for sure. That's four, That's four right? That was three. three. Dakota. Dakota. Dolph. Dolph. I didn't say Dolph, but I just because he's right in front of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dolph's legendary because when I was starting my barber journey, that basketball team that I used to cut when I was 20, they played him constantly, like nonstop. It was like the soundtrack to the beginning of my journey. Now I need one more. Hmm. Who's my favorite? Entrepreneur. I mean, it'd be Tupac. Tupac. Oh, Tupac. She's bald. You got him. Oh. Doesn't he have a beard? Bald guys be in the shop too, though. I mean, this version of Tupac when he had oh, the, the juice. juice. Oh, juice. juice Tupac. Okay. Yeah. Juice Tupac. Okay. Okay. Right here, Digital. Digital right. Underground Tupac. I gave him the flat top with the juice part. That's fire. Sorry. Okay. Wow. This has been quite the invigorating podcast, man. I thank you guys. I thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Marvelous. Yeah. <laughs>
Marvelous indeed.